the window had been busted out and our gear, part of our gear had been stolen. Uh, there's nowhere to play up here at all. I'm sitting there kind of by myself, like waiting for my manners. And, and the mirrors, like they, the mirrors kind of like spin open like 90 degrees, like they kind of rotate open. And all these women in sexy lingerie can come walking out from behind the mirrors. I'm just well, going to throw this out there that it almost sounded like you were kind of the dark side sometimes of the scene. Just when I parted ways with monuments and so it was a really, really desperate time of my life. At the end of it, our bass player told us, like, he just looked at us and was like, yeah, this is my last show. So, like, basically back to the beast era. Dealing with this alcohol intake and we're at a Christian festival and we're supposed to be a Christian band. I was kind of like, man, this, this sucks. This is not a good look. Welcome back to Dark Side of the Scene. I'm your host, Brandon, alongside Ed Corella. What's up? Just rolled out of bed. Early morning for us here down in the... I don't even know what you would call it, the sticky area of Indiana. <laughs> I actually don't really sleep in. You know, like, your body thinks it needs to sleep in, but it never does. Like, it's just annoying to try to... Maybe if I'm I get... The- more than like the normal five to six hours of sleep, I'm even more tired than what I normally am. Not weird, like they tell you you need eight hours a day, but your body refuses to listen to that. Like, how the hell did you get six hours of sleep? You're gonna feel like shit the whole day, right? Huh? Yeah. Well, I was what <laughs> I was say. The last few days, my stomach's been jacked up because they put me on this new medication that apparently has a side effect of fucking your stomach up so i didn't take it yesterday and now i feel fine i was like yeah i'm not taking that shit anymore take half of it <laughs> i don't even want to take any of it yeah nobody wants to take shit yeah speaking of shit i've been listening to some podcasts right and like about bands stuff i like and as a musician it's interesting to hear like how people in like known bands will actually say like that they're the contributing writer versus like you think everybody else in the band does but like it's funny how there's a lot of bands that basically have one guy writing everything and you think like it's all a collective package but that's kind of weird and i, I wonder what's I said, that i think a lot of local bands always try and act like everyone has to have their say in it but i think <laughs> Not to sound like a dick, but I think a lot of bands are more confusing that way because one song doesn't sound like the next song. Two different many people's too many cooks in the kitchen, maybe. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, I think the mo- most important part of a band. I know this is it's basically subjective, I guess, but like trying to find your sound. But then, like, some people believe you try to cram other things in but like does that really work i mean i'm let's think of like a band like oh i'm trying to think of a band <laughs> uh like i said a human abstract remember them yeah like they're very neoclassical craziness but like pretty good songwriting a little bit of hardcore mixed in. Somehow that worked. 
like their albums they have there's no song that kind of sticks out like fucking weird i don't know like that's i mean there's a lot of bands you could think of but then but i i wonder because like again what i was saying about how some bands have like a a, a single writer and maybe it sounds like they're forced in that position just because and some people are just more creative and they want to just kind of well they know what's important you know the band the band is first so you'd obviously want to keep writing music for it and i guess some people just want to work a little harder than others but i kind of wonder if like if the other members take credit for the shit one lone person does i mean i mean once it becomes i mean you present the idea and it becomes the bands i mean would any other member admit like i don't do shit <laughs> you know would they admit that like would they actually say i, mean, I think i've so i think i've heard, heard some bands actually say yeah he's a writer we just kind of go with it i think but it's I, about who has humility humbleness yeah and some people just want the glory i know a few people like that <laughs> i don't understand that but like you know i think like when you're in a band the band is bigger than you truthfully you could just be one person but you didn't get all those likes by yourself the band did collectively so you'd want to at least how i look at it is like i want to keep like for my band i want to keep writing music for for the band's sake you know what i mean it's not like i'm doing this because i want to be the best no i just think i don't know if that makes sense <laughs> yeah does that make sense at all I think a lot of the problems that stem with bands trying to collaborate together more so than one person do a majority of the writing. If you have like an idea and you present like not the whole song, but you present an idea, like here's a riff or two and let someone else write off of that. It either yep. derails the original idea or it can actually turn things better. It just depends on, I guess the other musicians involved, maybe. I don't know. But if someone presents an entire song and then someone else is like, all right, well, we're playing your song. Now you're going to play one of my songs and their writing style is completely different than what the other person's writing style is. That's what I was talking about earlier is like the sound doesn't always align up. Like this song sounds like someone wrote it. This song sounds like someone else wrote it. This song sounds like somebody else wrote it. There's not an actual sound, a defined sound. Like everything just sounds random yeah yeah that i know that feeling <laughs> that's right. why I, but i like yeah i don't look at for our band i don't really know what our sound is but i haven't had an idea what i want it to sound like so i would think that yeah <laughs> or nobody cares i don't know <laughs> sometimes yeah. i wonder if we just overthink things too much because we're in bands or in band like other musicians overthink what they're doing because the average listener is not going to pick up on the stuff anyways. Yeah, but I also want, I actually don't want to be the, the listener to be fucking confused. Like where's their identity here? Yeah. No, I get that too. I always think the first thing a band needs to do is kind of not limit themselves, but have an idea overall of what they're wanting to do. Yeah. And, 
try and go for that idea. You can branch out here and there, just add your own little spin on certain things, but right. just going out there without any sort of direction. I don't know how well that works out in the long run. Yeah. We have like, like, for example, we got a, a wannabe death course song. That was not my idea, but like, that's not something I want to write again. You know, that's like, it's cool, but it's not like the style I would choose. I think we did it because we just did it, but like, that's not our thing. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's a good example of like, okay, that'll <laughs> just confuse anybody else. Like, I don't know. I just, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's, again, it, like, basically, it's cool that, to have variation, I guess, but at the same time, it's as long as it somewhat still fits under the same umbrella. Right. It's not like you're going from metal to acapella. No. So it's, it still stays in the same realm of heavier music. Yeah. But basically, like, the underlining thing is, like, how many of these band members take credit for not doing anything, like, out there? I'd rather have somebody... I'd rather, like, not know that. I'd, I'd rather them keep quiet and them not be the worthless one. Actually, I should say they shouldn't. If if they're not contributing, then they should be quiet and not say anything. Or if they do, be like, "No, he's the main rider here." Yeah. I feel like that's a pride thing. If you're not going to admit, like, you're the weakest link of a band. I think it if boils you're... down, like I said. <laughs> people want glory. They want to be recognized for something, and they want to feel like they've done something, even if they've done nothing. That doesn't make sense at all. It's not like, I mean, I think if you're like you're actually signed and you get like writer's credit, like that's a little different. You might actually want to try, but there is no fucking point in being like looking for glory because you're not really, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I don't like to take compliments well myself if I, you know, <laughs> that's just me though. I, I think care. the one thing we've mentioned before, maybe on a previous episode, was like when you do the pay-to-play stuff where you're selling tickets to get on these big shows and then people think they've hit the big time after they've opened up for this band and that band. You know what? Anyone could have paid to hop on that show. It's Right. Like, it's not like you were specifically asked to, hey, you want to hop on this show? You don't have to sell tickets or anything. You guys are so big that we just want you on this show with this other big band. No, you had to go out there and pay your way to get on the show, like any other the other bands that had to pay to get on there. Like It doesn't really make you special. You just were the ones that were able to fork out money. That's funny, because I, I said on the other some other episodes that we did that and inflated some of the members of our my, my bit. Excuse me, inflated some of the members of my band. I'm like, no, <laughs> this may, this should make you realize you should work fucking harder. That's yeah. all. There's so you nothing. don't have to do the ticket bullshit. I said any fucking monkey could have got on this fucking show, but in a way, now that you have these people's attention, you need to work harder. But I don't think that worked. So whatever. <laughs> Sometimes. Things that get said just fall on deaf ears. Uh, if I had a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're supposed to be having a guest on today that's from Australia. And I'm hoping the 
time differences works out in our favor. But if you want to be on Dark Side of the Scene, you can send an email to Brandon at darksideofthescene.com and we can get you scheduled on a future episode. Do appreciate everyone that's still out there listening, following us around. It's appreciated. Yeah. Again, still waiting to get some reviews. We hear some reviews. I'll shout them out. I don't really care if they're positive or negative. It is what it is. We'd rather hear some constructive criticism in places rather than, oh, you guys are awesome. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Hey, that's cool too. But sometimes it's good to hear that we're fuck sticks. You never know. Or maybe, maybe a suggestion. What would you like to hear more of? Or maybe a guest. They might not be on a table in a bowl, but depending on who the guest is. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We've tried to reach out to some pretty bigger guests and I haven't heard anything back. And I've reached out to AR people and or their PR people, not AR people, but PR people. And they've said that they're on tours or they're busy. And I was like, well, no, I understand that. I can see the schedule. I'm just saying into the future, but we'll see what happens. You know what? Sorry. No, what were you going to say? I said that it'd be nice to be that big and have a fucking PR person now. It's like, yeah. I'm too busy. Talk to my PRH. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Yeah. So on that note, we're going to hang tight for a second and try and get our guest on. So hang tight with us. I'd like to take the time to welcome our guest, Daniel. Thanks for coming out and talking to Ed and I. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. I've been keen for a little while for this one. Sweet. I'm a sir first live. Well, we are live, but I'm eating. I'm eating barbecue. I'm sorry. It's all good. The, I want to let the audience know I got it from the prize pig in Mishawaka. It's pretty good. Anyway. <laughs> You're always out there trying to get more free food, aren't you? I'm just fat. What, what can I say? <laughs> I mean, you've got a podcast. Use it, right? Get those freebies. Yes. I'm waiting for something, right? Like coupons. We've uh, uh, tried local breweries. They haven't gotten back with us. We've tried uh, reaching out for uh, erectile dysfunction pills. We keep getting advertisements <laughs> for that. And put in, I put in a thing for this company that was doing sponsorships or whatever. I was like, hey, the co-host is named Ed. You're talking about how you defeat Ed. So I was like, it'd be a perfect setup. But yep. never, never heard back from him. So I guess no one wants to be on our podcast. I'm undefeatable. Like apparently, <laughs> can't conquer. That's a shame. Ed. What a good opportunity. Yeah. So, Daniel from the accent, where are you from? <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm from Sydney, Australia. Oh shit! If you, if you couldn't guess, well, it could be New Zealand too. But in a way, I've watched enough Lord of the Rings to kind of decipher between the both accents, but it's very close. That that's funny. I was just in LA like I don't know two weeks ago because I had some sessions, and I was also at the Nam convention, and oh, no nice. one, no, and no one guessed Kiwi. It's always Australian or UK for the Americans that really have just never met anyone worldwide. Hmm. Hmm. I don't hear the UK thing, but uh, that's for you. I always think you guys sound yeah. like you're about to go on an adventure. <laughs> I don't yeah, know we are. We're, um, I mean, every time I go over there, everyone's like, you have such a strong accent. And I'm like, no, you, you need to come here. You need to go to Queensland. 
um, which is one of our other states, and hear what they sound like. And then you just think I have the tamest voice in the world. Um, but yeah, no, every time it's always a guessing game between the UK and between Australia for my accent. Um, and everyone's so happy to finally meet an Australian. It's like a, it's like a default, like goodwill thing over there. So you, sorry, I was say you mentioned you're in LA in the nom festival and everything. What is it exactly that, uh, are you involved in that keeps you going to all these places? Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, um, it's wild now to think that this is, this is my third, um, third name and things just kind of keep evolving and keep progressing. Uh, when I went originally in 2020 in, in January, um, I was kind of in a progressive metal band at the time. I've since left that. So the, the names I've gone to since then have been all related to my work as a producer, a mix engineer, um, and more recently working in the creation of music for sync with other sync writers and sync producers. And it was, um, this particular trip was, really good because it was the first time that I was coming to America being, I guess, kind of having in the last six months, I've partnered with a number of different music companies, demoing out their gear, trying out new software. So this time it was, it was good to come to NAMM um, with quite a lot of people there um, in like vendors that I had already done stuff with. Um, and to have come away as well, you know, um, being an artist for one of those brands as well, um, which is, you know, with Warus Audio, it's a great relationship I have with them. And then outside of the NAMM convention, uh, being like on in Hollywood, um, doing sessions uh, for Sync um, with, with Sync writers and stuff like that, um, which is a very new world for me. Um, but it, it, that, you know, the whole trip was great. I'm so uh, full on. What instruments do you play? Uh, well, my primary, like the one I've been playing the longest is guitar. Um, but I play guitar, I play bass, I play drums. Um, I, I, I do vocals. I've, I've done things like choir vocals and, and, you know, choir stacking vocals on, on records, like for the new Amity Affliction record that's coming out soon. They're orchestrator. Um, Got me on, got me on that record to do some vocals. Uh, some of the new Savage Hands material, um, I've done vocals on, and some other metal records I've been on as a vocalist too. Um, but I'm trying to get drums, bass, uh, guitar, vocals would be kind of my main thing. And then every, I feel like every one of us, um, kind of just understands the the conventions of a lot of instruments in order to be able to write them. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. piss me. You guys piss me off. You're all very <laughs> talented. You guys are all talented. Like all the bands that the shred guys and a lot of the bands are just straight amazing. And I, I don't understand it. Like I don't know. Like I it, like earlier you said it's the water, and I'm like, man. I mean, is your school programs really good? Like for music, or just you just come out of the uh, womb with like a chart? I've <laughs> I've I've had like no teaching within like school I had like a bunch of music teachers outside of school like I had guitar teachers um you know I have a vocal coach now 
um Pliny's drummer Chris Allison is is the guy I go to to do Jeez. like drum work drum work and stuff um but I had guitar teachers outside of school within school the music system isn't you know anything amazing or great um I was in like school bands but yeah no for whatever reason Australia just seems to produce a number of top tier musicians that's crazy I mean it's cool, but man, I just don't understand it. Cause you know, like you got Frank Gambali and then you got like a, who's that other guy? That's the older guy. Anyway, he's so, another, he's another shred guy, but I can't think of him right now. Oh, <laughs> uh, there's Brett, so Brett, Gar, Brett Garcet. Yeah. That guy too. <laughs> anyway, so there's, yeah, there's heaps. I mean, everyone kind of just looks at Australia and, and is like, oh, you guys produce a lot of, really awesome musicians but i don't think people understand how hard it is for australian musicians to break out of working in the local australian music scene oh yeah it's it's actually quite ridiculous and i was talking to one of the sync guys um about it when i was in la because he's australian and he's Mm. one of two australians i've met who actually do sync music properly for film trailers um, for like proper placement stuff. And I said to him, it's like, it's so nice to actually, you know, work with someone who understands how rubbish it is back home to work in music. Um, and we were like almost trauma bonding about like how rough it is being a musician of like a certain caliber, like mm. back here that, does, that doesn't want to be a music teacher, uh, which there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's all good, but for the people who don't want that, it's quite a difficult journey to like one acknowledge what it is you want in music and then make those gains whilst you're still here. Mm. I guess that's another dark side in a way is that like you guys live so far away that like it's not an easy feat to just like, well, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go to the country right next to me, but you're your only country and to get anywhere like Europe and USA, it's a flight. And it's, yeah, you, you know, obviously it's, yeah. Oh man. Wow. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the, um, the flight to America is, is a 14 hour um, trip there. <laughs> um, so it's a, you know, it's more than a day to get there and back. And I, I've done it now. I did it in July and then I was in Utah in November. And then I was there in LA again, a few weeks ago um and then you know there's been suggestions about me coming to austin and then me going back to la in in jan for them again and then possibly gdc and in march and it's like it's it's great because it means that i've kind of burst through that cap of being stuck here but it's been a very long time to get to that point where you have such like a collection of um uh people and and the the net the circle of, of people i have the network of people i have now is is so awesome people are doing so many things from like marvel composition to film trailers to you know really awesome records um but it, it took forever to get there because it the the working in the music scene so disconnected from like a central hub like London or America and having a music scene that really isn't 
vibing or thrive thriving um it's, it's quite a big challenge to push through so basically life is good right now correct <laughs> yes sounds like it life, so life is which good. Was, yeah so what's the so since segue into that so like what is the dark things you've experienced while getting there you know like with bands and members and you know yeah. like things that could almost make you almost want to quit you know just like frustrating times yeah, uh, there, there have been like a lot of different things <laughs> um like a lot of different things uh definitely there's definitely like an element of of, of band life that made me want to step back from music mm. um not necessarily because of the people themselves because of, of how much I started to like hate the workflow of of everything mm. um there's there's that element of it um there's definitely the element of of kind of feeling like I'm stuck here um before I was you know more extensively traveling so there's that element and then I guess there there's the whole like trying to network outside of here too it's like how do I make connections with people that are already doing awesome stuff when I have no real name or asset behind me yet. And then the final thing kind of to wrap that in a bow is the fact that I, I started working in music when I was 15. So I visually looked like a child and no one wants to take you seriously at that point. Um, and I guess still being quite young comparison to the people I'm working with now, um, now people take you more seriously because you've got a lot to back it and prove it. And also, you know, I'm a, I'm a little older, so I, I look like an adult, but being quite young for like for majority of the time I've kind of been in music has been very, very hard to get anyone to take me seriously. Uh, actually, I thought you were a kid when the camera turned on. We didn't get to the audience. We didn't get to play the game where I guessed who he was because his camera's on so and you look like a kid <laughs> so uh yeah i, yeah, I where, am yeah yeah i am 20 now so um, you are yeah compared to me yeah you are a kid but i'm old mm, I, I turned <laughs> i turned 20 in february Damn, um dude. but it's been like you know i the first name the first name show I got invited to, like where I got my first badge with a company, I would have been uh, like 16 at the time. And I was like this short, stubby, you know, very teenage puberty looking, you know, guy walking around <laughs> trying to talk to vendors. Um, you know, I just put out an EP and it was, it was impossible. Like it was so tough because everyone's just literally looking down figuratively and literally looking down at you being like, what, like, what, like, what do you, what are you here for? Like, why are you, are you a TikTok shredder? Hi. All right, go away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I mean, at the time it's wild, you know, looking back, I wonder, cause I, you know, TikTok wasn't something as humongous as it was the first time I went over. It would have been interesting if that was around them, but um, it was it was incredibly. I've I've developed a lot of uh compassion for when I see kind of people breaking into the industry for the very first time because I just remember how hard it was 
for anyone to take you so seriously, like so young. Yeah. Whereas now it's so whereas now it's so different. Like I walk, you know, across to certain vendors and I'm like, hey guys, and they're like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. It's like, do you need anything for your upcoming sessions? We can send you stuff out. Like the dynamics completely changed now. Um, and I, you know, that's obviously because of what it is I've actually done, but I, I still remember just no one even talking to me at all. <laughs> like I would, I would go up and, and just zero dialogue like was happening. It was ridiculous. Mm. Did you, well, at that age, did you go by yourself the whole trip? Um, so that very first trip, uh, I went with my mom, um, okay. like we spent a month in America, but to actually go to Nam, I went with my bandmate at the time, but my bandmate was seven years older than me. Okay. Um, so for the actual like Nam convention, I went with someone that was, you know, significantly older than me. Um, but you know, for that, for that trip, um, you know, I had, I had a family member with me, but after that trip, since, um, I've done every trip, um, on my own so I've done mm. yeah basically from the ages of 18 and beyond I've done every international trip on my own yeah mm, okay interesting oops I just dropped some anyway <laughs> I uh I had a question I got distracted damn it so, so how long were you in your band then like are you still in the same band correct or no so I've left up? I left you... all bands all bands I left all bands. There was two bands I was a part of. Um, one was a like a metal prog band, and then mm. one was like a more poppy band with like the same members with the addition of a different like a, a singer for like the pop style stuff. Mm. Um, I was in the time I was in a metal band. It was probably a it was it was two and a bit years of releasing music, but then like a th total three year period of like the year before before releasing. Um, and then the pop thing was kind of like it just a year and I left all that stuff, um, at the start of 2021 last mm. year. Um, yeah, no. So I've left all band projects behind and that's kind of opens heaps of gateways as a result. So my, my, so important question. So during the Breast era, when all that happened on the world, was this something that like you thought of during that? Or what did you do during that shutdown BS? And, you know, like, how did you keep busy during lockdowns and et cetera? Well, it was interesting because it was kind of like I was finishing school during that era of time. Mm -hmm. um, whilst, and I spent a lot of time kind of just working on my craft. I think that was that was the advantage of everyone's kind of lockdown periods um, was that, you know, at least for me, I spent heaps of time refining a lot of different skills. I spent lots of time writing, but I also did spend a lot of time thinking um, like a lot of time thinking about where it is that I wanted to go. Um, and I mean, even, even throughout the lockdowns and everything, it still took me another, another year to decide to depart all band projects. Mm. Um, but I spent a lot of time writing, a lot of time practicing, um, and the rest of my time kind of doing online Zoom school and everything like that. 
um, which all had its challenges within itself because I don't know what would have happened band life wise if it you know wasn't for that extended period of time where the whole world was a little you know shut down mm. um and to be perfectly honest I don't know you know what other people talk about in regards to that period of time I'm glad it happened for for purely from a career point of view in terms of like making calls that worked out better for me personally but yeah well that's a that's a good that's a good outlook a lot of people didn't think that way they just thought like the woe they're all in woes but i feel like i've heard many stories where like they're like well kind of rethought their life and hopefully when all that was done and over they would have a better outlook what they wanted so yeah i've heard stories like that which is good things you know coming Mm, out of that period yeah, it, it was definitely, it was definitely, the thought was, am I really ready to make this humongous change? Because that's the thing, I don't think people, sometimes people don't understand that leaving a band isn't just leaving the band. You're leaving, you know, your friends, people you've worked with for years, you're leaving, you know, in some instances, you could possibly leave certain connections behind. I feel like I made a lot of the connections, so I felt like I wasn't going to lose out too much on that. But I was definitely going to lose out on like the brotherhood, the companionship. I was going to lose out on a lot of good writing for a very specific context. Um, and those were all things that kind of weighed heavy. Um, and for a while, it was kind of like anytime I saw someone that looked similar to my bandmates in public, like I felt like I was having like, a little free like as if it was like an ex-girlfriend like because I was just like I didn't want to I didn't want to handle that or deal with that um mm. and I had like I had multiple panic attacks in relation to like that whole saga of making the final call to to, to step in behind it and leaving because whether it was the right decision or not whether I was like tired of the workflow tired of you know putting in heaps of effort um and I didn't feel like it was a hundred percent fair at the time, like work-wise. You know, it still wasn't it it still wasn't an easy call to make and it definitely took like a humongous toll on 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 body and mind and yeah. So I keep saying, man, everybody's got twins. You were saying you saw people that resemble your band. I keep saying everybody's got twins out there. Nobody believes me, I swear. <laughs> Oh but yeah, doppel- yeah! It's doppel- like doppelgangers everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. It's like the moment I stepped away. It's like yeah. different people on the train, different people when I traveled. Like I was in, I remember distinctly being in another state, being in like in Melbourne, a different city in Australia, and like leaving a cafe called Brunetti's and walking out. And I swear to God, my whole body like stopped and like seized a little because I thought it was like. I thought it was my bandmate and this was like when things were just fresh and like, if it was, I wouldn't have been like ready to talk about anything. Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, don't no, doppelgangers real deal. I'm <laughs> not discrediting them. <laughs> well, I mean, like was your band members upset when you left or did it support what you wanted to do? Oh no, it was not like a lot of things. A lot of things were said between each other um it's funny it's funny because about a month ago um 
the the main guy kind of rung me. He put his no caller ID on so that I would actually pick up, um, which was a cheeky but respectable move. Yeah. Um, you know, now now after you know an extended period of time, I'm you know happy to take that call, happy to talk. Um, he wanted to catch up when I got back from America, but I've genuinely been like so busy. I have not reached out again. Mm. Um, and it's um, and like I definitely, I definitely should and definitely need to at some point. But at the time, it was like hard, hard, like off. Like everyone was blocked each other on social media. Kind of like it was. It went like zero to a hundred real quick. Man, I was gonna say like. Be like, guys, we're Australian. We can find another guy just like him. It's okay. Or you know, there's tons of talented people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I get it. Like all that work and effort, and then you had to leave. It's like, well, thanks a lot, you know. But say, I guess it depends on the people. They should have been more supportive if that's really what you wanted to do. You know, I get it. Like everybody understands. Like I see myself doing something else, and they shouldn't hold that against anybody. I mean, that's and it's not like. It's not like you were a bad band member. I mean, it'd be different if you just caused problems and you were just, I don't know, just didn't look at it the same way they did. No, I really tried, like, when I was a band member, I really tried my hardest to do everything at, like, my best capacity. Like, everything from, like, the best writing to the best thing. And then at some point, like, I think there there was a moment where we had been working with a few producers and... They had sent us these bounces and what ended up happening was, is we just listened and we were kind of just like, what happened to our songs kind of thing. And, you know, I was already on kind of thin-ish ice. Like I was, I was just getting tired of, I was just getting tired of being in a band, I guess. Mm. And see, at the time, it's like, I didn't really know what it is I'd step into so when I left, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to go into X, Y, Z directly. It was more just like, I want to need to leave. End of discussion. Like, that's just my decision best for me. Um, And I didn't like, admittedly, like I didn't handle it very democratically. I just said, I'm, I, I don't even remember like how it is that I, I said I'm broke. Like I didn't, we didn't talk for a while um you know i think at the time one of my grandparents had passed away so i kind of used that as an excuse to not talk to many people at the time while i was mulling a lot of things over Mm. and then there came a point in time where i just like nah okay i've made the call that's it um like said i've left i dropped off all the merch to one of the guys um you know uh, eventually I, I went on like a long walk with the man, main band member, I explained my reasoning and then like, um, and then, yeah. And we just kind of parted off and there was a lot of like initial tension when we sent a bunch of messages to each other. Um, and then by the time I kind of went on like a longer walk with one of the other bandmates, um, you know, I just, I just, you know, I just stepped back completely. It's interesting though, because I noticed that, uh, uh, the band Instagram for like pop project doesn't exist anymore, which I was like, I'm kind of curious about what happened there. Um, the metal project uh, Instagram is still there, but the pop one can't seem to find it. So they either blocked me new because, you know, they, they never blocked me on any of the band pages. 
um, or they've deleted it completely. Um, so that's that's interesting. Yeah, that's kind of silly. Sounds like sounds like it's a very peaceful to walk in Australia for these kind of thoughts. I would totally do that <laughs> just to clear my mind. I'm just thinking of the nice scenery you have, but that's unrelated. I'm just saying <laughs> that that you know walking around here is very calming. Um, I bet it is. Or, or you go to the beach. Oh yeah, I'm sure that's nice too. <laughs> I'm a little jealous here. <laughs> so I was just gonna say, down there you do have a lot of things that. If you're out walking, I feel like at least from our point of view up here, there's a lot of things out there that want to kill you or will kill you. <laughs> oh, don't don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> if if you're afraid in Australia of something that could kill you, you'd never leave the house. I mean, <laughs> we have like tiny little red back spiders that are like so hard to see that if they bite you, you're basically dead. So it's like just enjoy Australia because if it's going to kill you, it's going to kill you and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> maybe they made made that up to like get down like tourism because so nice over there and the, i don't know <laughs> i mean i certainly wouldn't blame them um you know we, we we like to keep our stuff to us but no always i i tell everyone oh the amount of people over there it's just like oh i love australians i love like australia and i was like oh that's great have you been no and i'm like oh you should come and they're like, but what about the spiders? And I'm like, <laughs> what about them? Um, I sent I sent a photo once to one of my Utah friends of the spider that kind of walks across my window. And he's like, I could never. And I was like, yeah, he's just there on the outside. Big deal. The huntsman spider? No, it's not a huntsman. It's a smaller one. Um, so the huntsman's would kill me, even though they're supposedly docile. It would land on me and I'd have a heart attack. Oh, you can um you can have huntsmen walk across your hand like they're very peaceful and placid, um no issues whatsoever. Yeah, Brandon has a fear of spiders, right? Completely, any of them? Yeah, I don't like any of them. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't. It's not like a numbing fear. Like there's actually one chilling down here by my feet right at the moment, it's a little leggy thing in a web, and he's just gonna be down there eating other bugs. I let him live. I just don't want him on me. Yeah, look, I'm not the biggest fan of them walking across me, um, but as long as they're not poisonous, I don't mind if they're around, give or take, depends on my mood. But yeah. So I'm so back to the thing. I'm I'm still trying to figure out like how the scene is there because I've never been there. I it's like hard to for me for me to understand. Like so like in your town, obviously it's a big city. Is this the scene pretty thriving with all sorts of music? No, no, no. I would like I would describe the scene of Australian musicians as people who settle. Like, I feel like that's the best way to describe the Australian music scene. It's interesting because I was on a podcast in 2019 and we were talking about how things were going downhill. This was mm. pre like, you know. Beast. lockdown and the yeah. beast and everything um and it's in in that period of time like there was the basement that shut down like a big venue here mm. multiple different venues like had to close um oh, or like reduce capacity um you know live playing also we have something called lockout laws here 
um, which basically reduced the times that venues could stay open because back in Sydney years ago, years ago, um, we had a number of incidents like called King hits where people were getting really drunk um, and kind of throwing like one punch kind of killers um, to people out on the street. Yeah. Like back of their head, like really violent kind of like one punch things. And they, you know, would comatose people, seriously injure people. We had a lot of incidents relating to like um, alcohol abuse and, and, and city kind of fights and stuff like that. So they introduced lockout laws, which essentially kind of capped um, like, I, I don't know, lockout laws to a full detailed extent. It was kind of before the time that I was allowed to go out, but if it essentially destroyed quite a large extent of nightlife because a lot of venues couldn't serve alcohols, go past a certain time in terms of opening. Um, and it made life really hard for venues to, to open up. I mean, the Australian artists that you all would know, like in the metal scene, people like Pliny and Amity Affliction, whatever, they wrote, they wrote a certain wave of Australian music that coincided with Americans doing like a very similar thing. For someone like Pliny, you had the Pliny, Intervals, David Maxim, Animals mm. as Leaders, and a bunch of other people ride that wave at the same time. Um, mm. And the Amity Affliction would have done a similar thing with different artists, you know, so it's a result of multiple continents, multiple different acts. And there have been Australian acts that have just slid in and rode those waves. Um, but widely, if you come here, you've got so many talented musicians that do not understand the business side of music, that do not, mm. do not understand that they are an asset, not just a creator. Um, and a lot of the times, a lot of musicians end up teaching in some capacity, tutoring in some capacity, um, you know, and for the ones who want to do that, awesome, no problems. Um, but you get a lot of just kind of the phrase I always hear is I always hear here a lot um, is uh, it's hard, man. Like mm. it's hard. Um, it's hard anywhere, but it seems to be quite a common theme here. So no, it's not thriving. Melbourne is probably Australia's hub at the moment for creative arts. Um, I go there quite a lot because, you know, my best friend, is there studying so like i go there decent a decent amount um like if i was someone who played live regularly i would probably have just moved there by now but there's no point um for me because i do all my work for with and for americans i only work with two people here in australia at the moment mm -hmm. for any music related projects but yeah no the, the scene here is not is not phenomenal and it hasn't been for some time. That's sad, considering like it just it just goes to show like everybody's got an asshole in their country. You know, them dudes punching people, ruining things for everybody. That's messed up, you know. But yeah, I feel like it, the same thing. Like a lot of venues around here have been closing up, and I mean, obviously the Beast era didn't do anybody favors for scenes to begin with. But wow, <laughs> that's a that's a whole different. And like you guys, like didn't you guys country burn down? Like they had a big old forest fire for a while. Yeah, we had quite raging the fires uh, before for lockdown. Yeah. Um, yeah. like 
I mean, it's a I don't get me wrong. For all the smack I'm talking about, like the actual music scene here, sure. I will all I will always come back to this country. It's so safe. It's everyone's so like nice all the time. So many different yeah. things I love about it. But yeah, it burns, it floods, animals want to kill you. <laughs> um, like there's a whole array of different things that environmentally go wrong here. Uh, we had floodings at the end of last year. You know, we've had fires, we've had, you know, drought. You know, it's been a it's been a rough couple of years, mm. um, climate wise for the country, and that and that doesn't help things in any capacity for anyone. Um, you know, it puts strain on agriculture, which eventually trickles down to prices being more so for city people, and then you know people don't want to spend the money on on gigs, so it's like mm. you wouldn't necessarily see the one to one correlation, but it's like when things are you know hard for everyone one of the first things to suffer is the arts and is the music because it's not deemed as an essential thing here. So it's easy to kind of rein back on that. It's like, ah, oh, it's just music. Like it's, ah, oh, it's just, you know, a, a venue, like we'll just rip it out. Like it, it doesn't matter. I feel like in a way we live kind of parallel to each other. Me and the the same way you got drunks and idiots ruining druggy idiots, ruining things. We, where we live our scene ain't that great and a lot of venues keep coming coming up short and closing another one may open but who knows how long that'll stay and then we got like unpredictably stumped dumb weather not your crazy weather but like in a way like it's everywhere you know it's like similar stories aside from the spiders <laughs> wow yeah i think there's kind of like a period of I feel like there's a period at the moment where there are lots of different music scenes that are still trying to resettle, refine their footing, their grounding. Mm. Um, and, it, and it was already struggling here. Like, it's really hard for me to think off the top of my head about, like, Australian musicians I know that aren't, like, that, you know, are really doing a lot of cool and interesting stuff um, like I can think of a couple guys that are kind of on TV as session guitarists, and I can think of a few guys maybe who are in like the Hillsong big bands, and then obviously all the different kind of metal and Aussie Australian musicians that are kind of like big in regards to either mainstream big or have huge fan bases. But like, for instance, I didn't meet one Australian at NAM. I know there were some there, like for sure. <laughs> There's, right. There were definitely some there, uh, um, but uh, I've never engaged with an Aussie there that I didn't already know, like that didn't come with me essentially um, mm. over there. So, you know, they're, they're far and few and it's kind of, it's disappointing because it means when you come back here, you aren't really sharing a lot of your work with anyone here because there's no one that really understands what it is that your, your goals are and you're trying to do like you, um, like there's only there's only two people here that I'm working with and, and one of them is like a client it's not someone like a, a peer per se it's like someone I'm just doing production for and then there's one person that's uh like a sync producer that produces for a publishing trailer house and you know he's a beast um but he does the same thing he'll go to LA to do writing camps um and like I flew to his place in December in a different state. And he was like, no one has done this before other than like 
one guy who lives in LA who I've known since like childhood. He's like, people don't like get up and just make it happen here. And I was like, I know it's, it's aggravating. Hmm. I feel like what you did, you basically kind of cut out the middleman. I think you're more interested in music production studio work versus like the band itself. Some people just enjoy that more and that's why they don't really want to be in a band anymore. They like that to them is their happy place basically. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause it's like, I really enjoy writing, mm. but I really enjoy mixing. And then I, and I and really enjoy collaboration too. Yeah. So, which is why I guess the upcoming things I'm trying to work and do in sync kind of fills a lot of those, those teapots. Um, and it's the same with working with companies like Boris Audio. When they send me new stuff, I get to make a track whilst collaborating with them on whatever it is that they're making mm. and then kind of put that out there. So I'm still actively creating music in lots of different ways, whether it be I'm producing for someone's record or I'm I'm writing something for Sync or I'm writing a showcase track for a company. But I guess the expectation isn't you know i'm trying to get my band big enough to tour i'm trying to get my band to sell x amount of merch like the goals realign themselves it's yeah. about like i want to do really well on this project because that could lead to more it's like i want to make this sync song really good because you know it could land like a whole bunch of placements and that could mean that i'm having like consistent revenue for the rest of my life kind of thing yeah um and like so the goals realign themselves you know that being said i'm working on an ambient album that i collaborated with on an american producer with and you know that'll come out like under under an artist named just neshi for me but i don't it's not i don't feel like it's a band thing like it's not it's not an artist it's not a band project it's just me as an artist who worked with a friend and put together like a really high selection of tracks. Um, so there's, there's, it definitely feels like there's a difference there. I guess it's just because the goals are different. I feel like, you know, no, I mean, you don't have to deal with huh. what well, goes back to saying, like you don't have to deal with egos and all that other BS that comes with a band. Sometimes it's like, I don't know. Like, I feel like, yeah, again, why you do that. It's a lot easier than having to deal with, four or five people and then playing somewhere and being broke and it's like and and since you're young enough to do it you might as well have done it because eventually you know when you get older you want to start family and all that stuff and then like you won't really have time to do that but while you're young it's the best time to pursue that goal while you can you know yeah so I have. it's a smart thing basically yeah i have zero regrets about being in the band yeah. i think i learned i think i learned a lot about like how I work with people too um and like that I shouldn't <laughs> like sometimes like huh. that there are certain aspects of music that I should just do alone um to make it easier for myself and everyone involved um like I have zero regrets about being in a band and now like after a little bit of time I have like zero negative feelings towards everyone but at the time it was beyond frustrating like I think the oh. biggest kick, the biggest kicker that always used to get me was like something would be done, 
And then it would be like, I don't like it. And I'd be like, well, do you have an idea for what you would prefer? No. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, awesome. Great. I love that. Like, yeah, I've, I feel like I've had that situation where like, well, if you don't like it, we'll write something. No. I'm like, well, how's this going to work? That's not collaboration. You're just like, if some, if somebody doesn't like something of mine, I don't really get upset that much. I'm just like, well, we can change it, you know, because I'll, I'll try to provide an alternative, right? Exactly. But like, if it goes on their other hand and foot, it's not reciprocated. Well, no, I'm not saying that's always the case, but I've had instances, you know, with, other band members or past bands where that was kind of the same way. And it's like, why do people got to be stubborn? I think, yeah, like cut out the middle, man. Stop dealing with stubbornness. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it was just, everything was just like, there was just a point in time where I was just getting tired of like, yeah, I was just tired of like those things. And like, you know, people might be like, oh, so it was just a little thing. I was like, yeah, but it was like 10 little things that compounded every single time after a period of time. And it's like, yeah, whether or not I was 18 at the time or, or 28, there's only so much patience and, and time you want to give something in an industry like music before you look to a different avenue. Like I didn't want to be one of those guys who was 25 and still in the band like mm. unless it unless you know there was significant gains every single time and that being said though like i look back at everything statistically and like the people we actually worked with like we had we had like the intervals drummer and bass player we had like adam bentley from arch echo mix things you know we had steven taranto i built the skies guest soloists you know, your neighbor had, <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much we had yeah, our neighbors jump crazy. On. um yeah they're all bass like you you look back and it's like damn the music was really high quality and it was really awesome um but like you know i didn't i also didn't keep in mind i also didn't leave and say oh yeah the projects are done i'm like they're all yours go for it right. um you know nothing came out nothing's come out since I've left, which I've genuinely been disappointed about. I was really hoping that there would be things like I was like, I left and I was like, wish them well. Like I want to see it work for them because they care more about like that Avenue working than I do at the time. Like, I don't know where their mindsets are at now, um, but nothing ever came out, which, you know, was a little disappointing and a little upsetting. Cause I was like, I was hoping that they would put things out and, you know, my friends knew that I was, like I, you know, genuinely hoping that they would, you know, push forward and continue. Um, but yeah, at a certain point, you just get tired of all those little, little things compounding, um, and and you look to different things and different avenues. Were were the were you the integral part? Is why they didn't pursue to release that stuff, or they just, I don't know. Like, were you the driving I mean, force? I mean, I did handle a lot of things. Like I did handle a lot of those, like a lot of the admin stuff, a lot of the release stuff. Um, and mm. you know, I was a huge, huge contribute. Like I wasn't, I wasn't someone who wrote like uh one lick here and there. Like, you know, I brought a lot of core ideas forward, and then from there, it was like lots of collaboration. Like they were great musicians. Like. Right can't discredit that at all like it was right. never a skill issue whatsoever 
Um, but I don't know. I just, I just guess I thought that even if I step back, you know, they just keep going. Um, but I guess that's not always the case. Well, you did say earlier but, they're not good at the business. People aren't good at the business side of it. <laughs> yeah, I was. It was interesting. Yeah, because I guess. I, I guess the thing I see a lot of here, it's like, it's about the art and it's about the music, which is great to a certain extent. Right. Um, you know, you have to, you have to network, you have to treat yourself like you're a stock and your projects are just continuously like upping your value of that. Your credit lists is pumping that value of that. Um, and it's not some like, you know, it's not, not, credits of some random band that you did some production for that no one hears or cares of. It's like, you know, you want to be working on cool stuff all the time, you know, things that are going to challenge you, things that are going to upskill you. Um, and, you know, I'm not where I want to be right now, but I'm on what feels like for me, at least the right path right now. Um, but it took a lot to get there in regards to being able to recognize when to step back from things. You know, I think, I think there's a lot of times where people aren't ready to, to people aren't willing to accept that failure is a part of this. People are afraid to fail, um, you know, afraid for the band to not work out, afraid to that release not to work out. Um, but that's a part of this. I mean, that's a part of life, but especially, in a part of the a creative industry, um, trial and error are the forefront of everything that we do. And if we're not willing to accept that as part of the job, you shouldn't be here, period. Hmm. Yeah, basically. Did you ever, uh, we had, me and Brandon had talked prior before you logged in. Do you, did you ever have any band members that wanted to take credit for things they didn't do? Like that ego thing? no i feel like we were like no oh that's good no direct no direct band members though we did have people that we worked with that like were on a higher for basis that were like a little more but you know like we're just the, the energy between the like the synergy and the working relationship just wasn't wasn't great like I mean, I'm not going to name them or the, sure. the role yeah. they had because right. it's like we only had like two EPs and a bunch of singles, so it wouldn't be hard to work out who the person was. Um, but it's like I remember we had one person that uh, worked on a certain thing and it was just – it was very just, you know, you could tell because they had worked on a bunch of really cool stuff, we were kind of like small fish in the small like small pond like it didn't really matter you could tell that they had just kind of just been like oh yeah it's another it's another job whatever like just yeah i'll throw them what they need and and, and that was it but no i felt like whilst i was in the band um there wasn't very there wasn't really much ego in regards to like oh i did this i did that so that was good like it was never there's never issues like that. I just think over time, I just got tired mm. of putting in like a lot of, a lot of effort, not always being met halfway. Yeah. Um, I think that was kind of big sticking point for a lot of things. Um, I think, yeah. And the pop band really took a strain on that too. Just like, like how long things took um, um to kind of, 
get done there also took a while. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that being frustrating. Like I said, it's, it's hard to deal with like several other brains and try to collaborate when some people don't have the same goal in mind, I guess. But it sounded like to me, you guys were still humble regardless, you know? I mean, yeah, yeah. I think, I think like in terms of bad people, not at all. No one was bad people. Hmm. Um, I think there was definitely a clash in like, a, a definitely a clash in, in working styles. There was definitely a clash in, uh, you know, what one person deemed as like, you know, a hundred percent and what someone else deemed as a hundred percent. And that wasn't like one was right and one was wrong. It was just like two very different. Um, and I think that just coincided with a lot happening in the world combining with, you know, a very poor Australian music scene. Um, mm. And me also just kind of recognizing, oh, I'm young. I can step back right now. And it's not really a huge deal for me to like push into a completely new avenue right now. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because left a band, but even though I have no music out, under my name my work um you know kill out my like my networking with people um has gotten me further as a result of it um and i feel like this year is going to be you know quite a big quite a big year for a lot of reasons in regards to sync in regards to um to mixing in regards to releasing music now under my name but you know since leaving the band i've gotten companies that have sent me free things you know i'm a, an artist for one of them um i've gotten to work on cool things like like as a choir vocalist for the amity affliction i've had mm. some productions um and i've just you know i'm still spending lots of time upskilling like i'm patient with this process because you know this is a this is a lifetime thing right um you know and i'm i'm studying what it is that i actually you know, want to preach. Like I'm, I'm listening to sync music. I'm, I'm working with guys that have literally done, you know, music for Marvel, music for Warner, music for all those things. Like the circle of people I'm in are all 10 plus years older than me. They're all keen to have me involved on things. And I just need to be open-minded, adapt, willing to learn and willing to push through all of things that just wouldn't have happened if I was just putting all of my time in a band which I yep. think, you know, other people that have been in a band before already know and people that haven't been in a band don't necessarily know that it's it's everything from the writing to the releasing to the merchandise to getting, working out who you want on the release to, you know, managing managing the different personalities in a band, making compromises. Like it is everything, all of your musical time and brain has to go into that. Otherwise, it you know, there's zero chance it'll work. Hmm. Yeah, that that is quite a commitment. But like, then there's like, you know, real, real life factors. And like a lot of bands have put that to the side. But a lot of times, you know, when you get older, I would say life gets in the way. So it's like, you're like, your band may not, not yours specifically, but somebody's band may not go anywhere because like so-and-so's got a kid now or they're 
where they got a different job opportunity, which keeps them from going on the road. Like my band, we're like older dudes. Like life is in the way. So it's not like I couldn't see us go on tour. And I sure as hell won't go on tour because I don't want to be broke. <laughs> like time, <laughs> like financially, things are kind of crazy right now for everybody. So it that is not an end goal for me, to be honest. But I mean, what you have going is pretty cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, like I'm, I'm in a happy, I'm in a happy like spot where everything that I get to do now, now is, yeah. is really, really hard. Like it's really hard and it's really challenging. Um, And like I get given things and I have to work out how, how I'm going to do them because, you know, it's not as simple as being an amazing guitarist anymore, um, yeah. which is, which is great because it's like that's not what I wanted. Like I wanted, I wanted world class difficulty for things. Like I wanted, I want being able to fail being a real option. Um, because you know if I'm getting something where I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, this is going to be really hard to do. It means that when I do pull it off, it's going to be that much more rewarding on literally every aspect. Um. Mm -hmm. But speaking on what you said about like life gets in the way, you know, that was also like, there were components about that too. Them being like significantly older than me, like, you know, one had a, one had a long-term partner. Um, You know, they had, I was in school, they were working at jobs. Um, Like, you know, there were real life components that realistically did get in the way of writing sessions or, you know, being able to come over and practice, like, you know, there were real life components that absolutely got in the way. Maybe not so much so because like they were in their twenties and I was in my teens. Um, no one had any kids or anything, but that's, you know, that's a whole nother aspect too. Like there's so many real life, like when I say real life, I mean like non-musical life aspects that get in the way of what it is you're trying to achieve with a band. Yeah. It's kind of wild how that works, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes people just need to kind of consider what it is that they're getting into and what their goals are in relation to everything when it comes to a band and it comes to music in general, being realistic expectations and not patient with themselves, but patient with the outcome and the process. Uh, that's good to that you say that because i feel like some people are in bands to get laid and i'm not sure if that really works anymore <laughs> not I <feel> me like, <laughs> i feel like that is like going to the gym like you feel like you'll go to the gym and every girl in the world's going to notice you but it's really the guys that notice you because they're like bro you got a great <laughs> bench um that is that is kind of true <laughs> whereas it's like yeah you go in a band and it's like you can shred like a god and it's it, no, all dudes. no, it's all dudes. It's no one's asking you what else can you do with that hand. Like everyone's, <laughs> you know, everyone is just like, bro, how do you get that? Like, how do you get that good? Like, oh my god, how can I get that sweeping? It's like, oh my god, did you <laughs> switch from Dorian Dorian to Phrygian? Like, I'm gonna pass out. Like, there's never, there's never any of any of that whatsoever. Yeah, man, what, what kind of. What kind of cabinet are you using, dude? <laughs> no, I don't mind those <laughs> questions, but yeah, you're just going to get dudes that drool over your stuff, but yeah. 
Oh yeah, I had so many guys just being like, "What are your Aristides guitars like? Like, are they really resonant? Like, are they as good as they say they are? Like, they are. I, I own think two it, of them. <laughs> yeah, how good are they? Right, I have two as well, O six O and the O seven O. Um, yeah, but no, I had tons of questions about like my gear, about my writing, about my door, about like the production, the team, everything. You know, one of them like. You know, the band days of, like, having a roadie, I guess, are kind of over, depending on, you know. Shit, I, I wish I had roadies. Damn it. Well, we got a guy that helps us, but not, like, I just, I'm old. I hate hauling my shit, <laughs> but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I was going to, oh, I was going to ask you, like, are you ever going to get on the Ring of Power soundtrack, or that's out of your network? Because they're making that, Ring, the, yeah. the show. Uh, <laughs> i don't know we'll see uh, like well we'll see because like you know i've it's interesting because you know i when i was in la last time you know i was at east west studios for the day and that's kind of where they did like the the god of war soundtrack recording and everything like that mm. um like i don't think anything like i'm not going to put a cap on it i'm not going to say no um that's not in the realm of possibility um uh, but I'm also like right now not going to say yes because um, I know how much I have to work through and how much I have to uh, how much I have to gain in regards to my musicianship um, before something like that can happen. But that being said, I know guys in my circles who are working on incredible things. Like when I was in LA last, you know, I was getting a coffee with one of the guys who did like the latest you know, Mandalorian trailer and the, you know, the latest, uh, God, like I'm trying to think like the Indiana Jones one. And, you know, I was hanging out with some of the guys who do all the NBA placements for the, for TV and, mm. um, like not, not small things anymore. Like it's not like small, small scene, local band stuff anymore. These guys are working on worldwide known trailers, worldwide known TV placements, and it's just, um, you know, I'm very, I'm very, I've been very fortunate to have fall in to a number of those circles um, and to be able to be friends with, to be able to um, have those avenues of, of work start to open up in those areas. So, yeah, I think eventually being able to be a part of something, you know, like you said, like Rings of Power yeah. um, in some capacity, you know, you know, it can't not be a goal, but it's not the immediate goal. So how's a forgive my ignorance, how far is New Zealand from you? Not at all. Um, I've actually been talking about going there for like some production stuff later in the year. Uh, mm. I'm not sure what the flight is. I, I don't I'm it's pretty not... sure that it's like um from Sydney to Auckland is maybe god three hours i'm just looking it up on my phone now yeah like three hours like three oh, hours I'm, three and a half hours bad. It's, it's nothing like that's that's cute because i remember um, like before the show they were looking for like people to be like orcs like extras i'm like man that'd be a cool job <laughs> i mean from indiana that's probably what a flight to new york then a flight to somewhere yeah and a flight i to mean somewhere else it would not so be worth it then, but like yeah. for somebody that was closer, I'd be like, 
drive over there, get dressed up, and he can't drive across the ocean. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> We're not flying oh, cars. Wouldn't that be something, man? Just right. like driving to LA from Sydney. Whew. I mean, it takes I me imagine. nine hours to drive from Sydney to Melbourne, and that's an hour and a half flight. Um, so fourteen hour flight. Like, I really don't want to do, you know, that math on the one hundred and twenty plus hour trip. Um, <laughs> I drove <laughs> to Alabama from indiana last year and it took us like 14 hours <laughs> so i couldn't imagine yeah. trying to drive something that far and their terrain their terrain is crazy so yeah yeah like it's mountainous and deserty and well mm-hmm. i guess from pictures <laughs> i don't know again i've never been in australia so i can't imagine like the vastness it has aside from like what i've seen videos and pictures of uh, the, the- the middle of the country is basically like desert and dry. Everyone lives on the like on the coastlines, the east and the west coastlines. Um, like Perth is on on the on the west side in Western Australia. And then you've got Sydney in New South Wales and and Melbourne and and Canberra and Queensland and Gold Coast. Like they're all the uh, like Queensland's the state, Gold Coast and Brisbane are like different cities. There, everyone's on the coastlines here. Not, no one's very centralized. South Australia, like Adelaide, it's another city, kind of downward. Um, no one's in the middle here whatsoever. Is it true that like the middle area is pretty much like just vast, untouched openness? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Like I've never personally been to the no- Northern Territory. But it's un uninhabitable. It's just desert flatland. Yeah. I heard a conspiracy theory that like Australia is a lot bigger than they say it is. And that's probably where the aliens are, the vast part where it's on un- flat earthers don't believe that Australia even exists. <laughs> I encountered that firsthand. I've encountered that firsthand in 2020 when I went for my first damn trip. You know, I won't say what musician it was because they're kind of like actually a part of a big band but they looked at me real funny when <laughs> um when i said i was australian and then after he left the producer i was with he was like he's a flat earther by the way that's probably why he was looking at you a little weird i was like get the hell out of here it's like <laughs> you guys re- like seriously it's like you're just going to discredit like an entire nation that's responsible for like half the metal scene like you're kidding right like surely he <laughs> he works with like Everyone that says they're an Aussie, what is he just not believe we're real? I've wondered that too. Like my other podcast that I have is very conspiracy things. And I interviewed someone that's like a huge renowned flat earther, one of their top quote unquote people. And he didn't say Australia didn't exist, but like he does make valid points on certain things and make you question some stuff. But then if you go into these groups and they talk about how Australia is fake and everything, I was like, how do you, how do people that live there that I've talked to, because I've interviewed people from Australia, how do you, they're all just in on it? <laughs> like you work on some, you're not a real person. You're either an AI or uh, you're in on the whole scheme of making people think the earth is round. Maybe they are AI. That's what makes them so like magically good at instruments. And maybe just I'm just it. like, maybe I'm just chat GPT the whole time. Probably. Yeah, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe that's why we're so good at like 
shredding and metal and guitar playing in general because we're just like we're they just calibrate us to get better over time like just, right they just <laughs> crunch a few numbers what, and we're good to go ever yeah. evolving yeah what is that mm. what is that big building that you guys have in sydney i always forget it damn center point tower that's not the you thinking of where they, house? The, the opera house place yeah that's where they that's where the that's the clone factory <laughs> ah yeah they 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 pump us out of the opera house right yeah and they all look like plenty like you kind of did when i turn the camera on i'm like oh they all look the same okay <laughs> oh my god i don't think ever anyone's ever told me that i look like plenty i don't I was like not, I, I didn't really look at you that carefully because i was going to play the game but i'm like oh, i already saw him okay damn <laughs> uh yeah plenty's quite tall as well oh. um but yeah, no, we all we all have like a very similar. I feel like everyone that knows Australians knows like how easygoing we are most of the time. Um, you know, you just don't want to like, you just don't want to annoy an Aussie because they'll get pissed and then their accent will get really strong and then they'll just kind of start abusing the c word on you. Uh, just like basically, just like the hillbillies we have here. The more angrier yeah. they get, they start saying obscenities. You know, yeah, I've met people from the south there. It's basically the same. Yeah, they get mad. Their fucking accent really comes out, and then they just start saying obscenities left and right. I get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the same here, except you get that everywhere, just not like uh-huh. everywhere in Australia. But it's it's a vibe here, like you know, that's the way it is. Nice. I think it's a vibe here too, but it's not the greatest vibes to have. <laughs> i mean it's a i i feel like the climate here is is a lot you know more chill in regards to the social climate the political climate all different things like that you know they don't amalgamate into like this tension that seems to happen so more so in america like every time i seem to be there there seems to be something that's happening um or something that just happened or something that happens right after i leave um well, Whereas all, here, you know, it takes a lot. Here in America, we like to make our own uh, people hate each other, keeps them distracted. Mm, right. I noticed that. <laughs> it's so, better to have your population at war with each other so you could go about your business and continue to do the things behind the scenes because everyone's too busy screaming at each other than paying attention to what's going on. Speaking of, yes, government, it's. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, yeah, it's just, it's wild to talk to different Americans from different parts of the country when I like convene for something like the convention, uh, because everyone has such differing views on so many things. I was going to say, like, speaking of your government, does your government like fund, uh, do they fund any music at all? Or like, do they have any? They aren't great with it. Um, They haven't been great for, for some time, but okay, there that's... is like in, in the most recent like state kind of election thing, you know, they did have quite a big dedicated budget for like the evolution of arts. And we do have certain things non-music related that are quite prominent here. We have like the Vivid show, which is like, you know, visual artists, you know, get displayed across like the opera house for like, they do this humongous light thing. It's, it's quite spectacular. So we do have like good vibing arts culture, but, but not necessarily mm-hmm. music culture. I was thinking of like Canada where they have kind of like government funding for like touring bands, stuff like that. 
we do have a lot of grants, um, yeah. like certain grants for disadvantaged music, certain grants for like traveling in relation to music. Mm. Um, like I've done, I, my first ever job was working for an Australian label. Um, and there were certain grants that we had gotten to fund like different kinds of releases. Like, you know, you know, I still help out that label on occasion now when they need things. Um, and like, they've gotten grants in relation to, you know, putting out a, like a compilation album to help M Middle Eastern musicians that are trapped that kind of, you know, recorded remotely and put everything together. So there definitely are grants for certain reasons but mm. it's not like as big as you kind of would want it to be. Yeah. Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I think it's about time we can wrap this one up. Is there, you now what we've done, I don't know if you had a chance to check out any of the episodes we've had, with you not being in a current band, this might make it difficult too, but we try and release a song at the end, like just share it, at the end of the episode mm -hmm. of something that you've written or been a part of or anything, like if you're in a band or whatever, we'd share like your latest single or whatever it is. Do you have any music that you would want to be added to the end of this? Yeah, absolutely. I can, um, we can demo like a 30 second snippet of one of the tracks of uh, my new collaboration album with a producer called Jeff Slaw based out of America. Our album's called, uh, the flats and uh yeah i can certainly give you guys you know like a 30 second snippet of one of those tracks to put at the end of this that's pretty cool yeah, yeah. we well, do that or if you want to include a whole song that's cool too it don't matter to us whatever yeah. you want yep yeah cool i'll give you guys probably um a small snippet of 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 one of them it's uh it's a it's a mix of few things an ambient slash orchestral slash uh, poppy kind of thing. Um, very different to metal. But yeah, I can absolutely send through like um, a track and I can give you a timestamp to use um, to put at the end. Yeah, that works. The flats, like in Flat Earth. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> uh, the flats is in like the Bonneville Salt Flats because we were in Utah. Oh, well, that's different. Nice. The biggest thing about uh, Flat Earth is he flew all the way here from LA in 14 hours. Did you ever see any curvature on your entire, like that trip? Or did it all look flat? That's the selling point to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think there's any winners in that answer. Um, <laughs> I mean, let's, let's be real. It looks pretty flat from a window of a plane, but like... Yeah. Um, I've done a lot of flights in the last year and unfortunately I don't think I've seen any curvature. That's uh that that is the one thing I have noticed when I've been on planes too. So and again there's certain I mean, things that also that, the, the further in that rabbit hole you go, you don't want to go too far because you start to kind of scratch your head a little bit. You're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Shit, am I real? <laughs> no, <laughs> trust. Trust me here, if I, you know, here in Australia, if I said anything in relation to flat earth, I'd be like absolutely 100% like it'd be interventions immediately. <laughs> ostracized. <laughs> uh, ostracized, alienated from 
every like it'd be forget it. I we mean, have, it's probably akin to Scientology here. We what? have. Uh, <laughs> oh no, he'll get sued by the Scientologist. <laughs> That's what happens here if you say something negative about them. They automatically start sending cease and desist orders. Oh my god! <laughs> but yeah, here uh, we have celebrities that are flat earthers too. So they uh, they don't talk too much about it, but some have mentioned it. Well, you guys got like John Travolta and Tom Cruise as Scientologists. Yeah. Um, like, and I'm trying. Yeah, you guys. I love America for so many different reasons, but it's also <laughs> just so weird on so many different levels. Well, I apologize yeah. for that myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all it's all on you, right? It's probably me. It's my it's fault. Ed's fault. Fucking fault. It's because I barbecued yeah. it and share with you guys. Sorry. If they would just sponsor uh, us to fix ED, we'd be fixing Ed, and we'd be all well, right. But yeah, that one wants battle, to give us those little blue pills. The battle rages on. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, well, I Daniel. saw. I saw. Yeah, go ahead. No, no I was just gonna say, like, um, I see all those, all those billboards, all those different advertisements in America uh-huh. for all sorts of different things every time I go there. So it's like, you guys definitely got to get a sponsor at some point. I hope so. I want to try I, them out. It's I guess sick. in America, it must be common to have a erectile dysfunction for all the it's, advertising it's all the, I see for it. It's all the food they put in all, all those family dollars we got. It's to help control the population. You can't get a boner. You can't re- <laughs> reproduce, I guess, maybe. That's their thinking. That ain't maybe stopping me from nothing. <laughs> maybe that's why American girls are always so keen on Australian guys when we come over. Probably. Possibly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right guys well daniel again i appreciate you waking up yeah late at night to Thank come you. talk to ed and i on our stupid show here <laughs> um. uh no it was a it was a pleasure i was king i i really enjoy doing this kind of stuff so it was uh thanks for having me on definitely mm, wish you the best man sounds like you got something going you know yeah totally i'm jealous Completely. I'm looking forward to everything. Hell yeah! I'm twice your age, and I feel like I failed at everything. And you, <laughs> you're not Australian. I Damn it! Guess. Well, he's not real. So yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, you're not. Can't... You're not. Gener- you're not generated. Shit! <laughs> well, I'm shitting something. <laughs> All that barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Daniel. We're gonna close this one out so thanks and anyone out there listening if you want to be on a future episode send an email to brandon at darksideofthescene.com and you can come on here and talk to ed and i and i guarantee it'll probably be stupid because that's what we are (laughs) stupid (laughs) so thanks guys